0: Time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev teared down this the American people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the Welcome
1: back to the Cold War. This is episode 248 eight. Tits McGee. I'm still... Nice. We're still talking about (laughs) Iran. We're talking about (laughs) oil. We're talking about Operation Ajax. Yes, we is. And at the end of the last episode, we introduced the man known to Iranians as Eminem, known to the rest of the world as Muhammad Mossadegh, known to British Petroleum on their website as just Iran's prime minister because they don't want to don't want to mention names.
0: Cop number three, like in a play, just just yeah. give him a descriptive. Yeah, who, we don't. Yeah, we, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really matter who he is.
1: Now Mossadegh. Yeah. You know, we talked about this in the early part of this mini series. Uh, in the fifties, Mossadegh was mm-hmm. hugely famous. Times Man of the Year uh, at one point. Yes. <laughs> yes. Taylor, Swift, Taylor Swift famous. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he had the best Just, PR you, team you could hope yes. for. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was considered a diehard believer in the rule of law. Yes. Shame on him. Which put him on a collision course with autocrats like Reza Shah. He also right. was all about Iranian self-rule, making him public enemy <sighs> number one for the Ooh. Anglo-Iranian oil company and the British. He yes. wasn't just against them. He was their kryptonite. He, yes. He was an absolute believer in self-rule for his people, like Fidel Castro was in Cuba mm-hmm. at the end of the 50s. Like, Ho Chi Minh. Uh, Ho Chi Minh had been in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Mao Tse Tung was in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, He was one of these guys who really believed in, That the time had come for his people to pull out all stops to make themselves the ruler of their own lands, their own money, creator of their own laws, without the influence of the colonial powers.
0: I think the British might say assistance, but it's just a word. But yeah, no, it's time. They've been at this for a couple of hundred years. They got you know they got rid of the shot. It's now time. It's time to do it on their own. So if anybody should be getting 46,000 pounds a year, it should be the British for extrapolating for extracting the oil. Most of it should be going to Iran. It's clearly not the case. And you're right. This guy is literally the antithesis of everything that we talked about on the last episode. And he is, I don't know if he's fanatic, but he's committed. He's passionate. And this is his life's work.
1: He was David to Anglo-Iranians Goliath. He had a slingshot. It yeah. was filled with nationalism. Books? Oh, sorry. And books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He wasn't just a thorn in their side. He was a full-blown existential threat yes. to them, and yeah. they knew it. Now, we're going to tell a little bit of the story of how he came to power, and it's maybe not what you expect. He was actually born into the Iranian elite. His yeah. mom, yeah. Najm al Sultaneh, was a Qajar princess, not bad. Her family had produced governors, cabinet ministers, and ambassadors. His dad, her second husband, was mm-hmm. Mirza Hedayatullah Vazir Daftar.
0: Take your word for it. Uh,
1: like all good marriages, he was 40 years older than her, her miss, when they got
0: married. I miss those days. Oh, was this on? <laughs> Shit. Okay. Now go ahead. Yeah, 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 he's he's an important. He's he's from an important clan, and for twenty years, not twenty days, not twenty weeks, for twenty years, he was Nasir al-Din Shah's finance minister so you're right this guy is literally he's kind of like fdr he's born amongst the elite but he doesn't give a shit about that we need to liberate our country and all you sons of bitches better help me or i'm going to turn my back on you i don't give a fuck what your pedigree is and that he's going to run into that over and over again uh before the 1950s
1: his father died when he was still a boy uh, from the cholera epidemic that was running through the country at the Mm -hmm. time but yeah, he was Muhammad was basically born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He landed his first government gig at sixteen <laughs> as the chief tax do, auditor for Khorasan, his home turf. Right. Well, not because he was a prodigy, but because those jobs were typically handed down from father to son. Exactly, like in yes. the Renaissance show, we've talked about the guilds, mm-hmm. and we know in Rome, you know, going back to the good oh, old yeah. days of Augustus. The job of tax collector was typically
0: privatized. It was outsourced. Farmed out. You had
1: people in, particularly in a large country, and Iran is a fairly large country, Mm -hmm. you would have people who had responsibility for tax collection of a district uh, and they would go around and figure out who owed what. It wasn't a centralized government function. (laughs) Yes. You had people in each area that had the business. I'm the tax collector. I have the tax-collected business. Yes, my family business. Area. Yeah. It's yeah. a family business. Yeah. That's right. So like you that. collect the money. You, you you take your cut and, you know, if you're yeah. clever about it, your cut can go up or down. Yeah. And Tweak it. You know, how much you charge people and what, what you decide that they have to pay right. is up to your discretion to a large extent and then you send what's left over to the government. So that was his – like his father had had that job, even though he was the finance minister, he was also a tax collector, got passed down to Muhammad.
0: Right. And, yeah. No, just, just real quick, and 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 you, you're going to – the listeners, dear listeners, you're going to pick up on this, but this kid, 16-year-old kid, obviously because he's born uh, into wealth, he's well-educated, he's well-read, kind of like how – I'm like naturally charming. The 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 concepts of law make sense to him. It, it's something he just gets it. Taylor Swift gets music. I get women. Women get me, and he gets the law. So he's not just some spoiled little kid. He's the real deal. He's 16, but he's he's legit. He really knows what he's doing, and he is concerned about his people. He is a patriot. So I imagine he's not ripping people off left and right because that would hurt his own country.
1: And he's an interesting combination of his parents, as most of us Mm, are. Like his mother as a princess had a love of luxury, Mm -hmm. which he – doesn't seem to have inherited, uh, but his father had a very stern sense of morality. There we go, as a finance minister yes. and, and tax collector. It's important. Good point. Yeah, his father's father, his grand, his paternal grandfather, had mm-hmm. blown his own brains out when his integrity had been questioned.
0: Wow, I would have been dead so a long this time is ago. The sorry. Of- sorry, sorry. <laughs> This is the
1: sort of family he comes from. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and he seems to have adopted that sense of integrity and morality as being the most important things. But after his father died, his mother, Najim mm-hmm. al sultana married a third time. Right. This time to the private secretary, to her brother-in-law, Crown Prince Musafa Uddin. Not bad. Not bad. The uh, previous Shah uh, was still alive, so he's the crown prince, Musafa mm-hmm. ud din, at the time. Prince Farmer Farmer, <laughs> which is like. <laughs> he was he was the original version of. Marky Mark? Uh, uh,
0: f- f- of Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. Call me Raymond Ray. Boom. Here I is. What you need? What you got? Yeah, boy.
1: Yeah, I haven't pulled that clip out in
0: a long yeah. time. Yeah, many, many, yeah, very long time. But could I just say real quick? So when he when he takes this job at age sixteen, obviously he's got an education, but he gets he gets in the abstract the academic version of finances. Now that he's got this job, he learns the ins and outs. He learns public finance. But he also stumbles across corruption because it's everywhere, let's be honest, even in the world of podcasting. And he also sees the Qajar dynasty is getting weaker and weaker, and they're not helping themselves by being good to their people. So so at first it's academic, but now he's getting hands-on experience. And even though he's a kid, he's taking all this in, and he's learning a lot, and it's making an impression on him.
1: Yes. Uh, getting back to Prince Flav. Sorry. Yeah, boy! Cut me off in the middle of. I, prince I, Flavor Flame so <laughs> was his mother's brother, her favorite right. brother. Oh, I He also swoops into Muhammad's life. He was the 16th grandson mm-hmm. of the Qajar crown prince Abbas Mirza. Farmer Farmer himself <laughs> was a fascinating character, as all these guys are, really. Right. He had 26 sons and 13 daughters by eight wives. Sounds right. Like you, yeah. he was uh, <laughs> medically a midget, but still managed to get eight wives. I mean, yeah, I know hey. you've had a few, yeah. but, yeah. you know.
0: Well, it, with my he, reduced height, I can sneak up on him. That's the secret.
1: <laughs> and he had an awesome mustache, Farmer Sam. I don't know if you looked up a photo of him. Oh, no, I should look that up. Yeah, I should teaching.
0: look
1: that up. <laughs> you could you could you could hide in his mustache for weeks right. and you wouldn't get discovered, you know. I like that. Yeah. People Almost used to do trendy. that all the time. They
0: just climb into his mustache. I'm just gonna do a handlebar uh, mustache. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry.
1: Farmer Farmer had an interesting life. He's uncle by marriage, son-in-law, and second cousin to right. the crown prince Muzaffaruddin. Mm-hmm. So when the Shah, Nasser Uddin, gets assassinated and the crown prince, Musafa, becomes the Shah, mm-hmm. Farma Farmer ends up with a really good job. And Muhammad's mother, Najim, is in the center of power in Ooh, Iran.
0: Nice. She's basically
1: the Shah's sister in law. Her hubby is his right hand man, his private secretary. Right. Her brother snags the war ministry. And not he's bad. also, I think, a tax collector, and is in a different in the region where Muhammad's father was. Gets passed on. I think when Farmer Farmer becomes the War Minister, the job of the tax collector gets passed on to Eminem. <laughs> right. Um. So, like, Eminem grows up really in the middle of things. He's not yes. just some guy from the burbs.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> his his mother and his uncle are really closely connected yes. with the royal court. He's deep, deep, dick, deep, deep in the royal court, balls deep in the royal court <laughs> growing up. And so he, he not only gets a good glimpse of how fucked up the whole thing is. Yes. Yeah. And the corruption uh, involved in, in the negotiations with the British, mm-hmm. the British control over the empire, but also how Persian politics works the shark-infested waters of Persian politics, he's getting a, a playbook on how to navigate that both from his uncle and his mother.
0: Yeah, I've got to imagine that the subject of politics was nightly discussion at the dinner table. Like I said to Heather the other day, oh, my God, did you hear about Kevin McCarthy? She said, what? Who? I said, never mind. This conversation is over. But in this household, you have to imagine the major events going on in the country, the, the subject of politics, the alliances and all this. That was probably daily fare for him. So, again, he's growing up in a peculiar situation. Type of family. And like you said, the mother, his mother, she's at the center of a spider web that is all about power and influence and prestige.
1: When he was only 15, Eminem got a fancy title from oh, the Shah. Right. Mozadek al-Sultaneh. Which mother means was Najim al-Sultane. It basically means, hey, I'm a big fucking deal. That's what it translates <laughs> as. Um, it means actually verifier of the Sultanate. Oh, okay. Uh, Now, keep in mind, I think we've mentioned this in an earlier episode, Iranians at the time didn't have European-style last names, surnames.
0: Right, right.
1: Because you didn't need one. You were just uh, Ray, son of Ray.
0: Yeah. You know, that's it. Keep it simple.
1: Yeah, that's all you need to know. That's all I got. What's your name? Ray, son of Ray. Oh, that right.
0: That's supposed to. Ray, son of Jim, So, which became Sonny Jim, but most people don't know that. That's just... It's trivia. Don't worry about it.
1: But if you became important to the crown, you were given a title. Oh. So people could differentiate you from Ray, son of Ray, and the other Ray, son of Ray. Yeah. Guardian of the snakes. Uh, (laughs) Oh, right. He's that guy.
0: Right. So, yeah, this kid is obviously on the right path to greatness. If he doesn't, Stub his toe or step on the wrong, you know, step on the wrong foot of the people. And it's very treacherous waters because, you know, obviously uh, these shaws are being deposed left and right.
1: So when his uncle becomes the head of the war ministry, Eminem gets the tax collector gig from right. Borosan and Baluchistan, uh, the areas where he grew up when he's 16, as we mm-hmm. said earlier operating out of a, a mansion that I think belonged to his uh, uncle in this uh, in Tehran, actually. Mm. He's running it out of Tehran. Right. And he's figuring out all of the corruption and the financial chaos that's going on, not only as a tax collector in that district, but also in the Qajar dynasty. He's, he's mm. getting he educational. on all of that. Yeah. But he's already impressing people at a very young age. Someone who met him early on, thought he was a decade older than he Mm. actually was. They thought he was in his mid-20s. And this guy wrote, Among men of intelligence and learning, his decorum cannot be surpassed. He speaks, behaves, and receives people with respect, humility, and courtesy, Mm. but without undermining his own eminence and dignity. He may at times have treated his colleagues, including high officials and finance ministers, with a measure of contempt... But sure. in his dealing with other people, he has shown warm human feeling, courtesy, and humility. Such an impressive young man is bound to become one of the great ones.
0: Wow. It's like looking into a so mirror. That's,
1: right. You know, I, I know that people have said not similar things about you, actually. No. The opposite.
0: Um, the opposite. The opposite
1: things, yeah. he's.
0: <laughs> I do come across as a 16-year-old, I've always taken that as a compliment as I've gotten older. Wait a minute. I don't think they meant that. Anyway, I'll have to go back to you on that one. Where were we? (laughs) I'm looking for a glit.
1: What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened
0: to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. That's normally my exit. That's normally my exit as I'm leaving the room.
1: <laughs> That's normally what people say about you when you've said something.
0: Yeah, Pretty much. I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to it. I don't care. I don't care. No, but here's the thing. Eminem right.
1: also used his position to his advantage in these early days. He's not a dummy. Right, uh, And he's got access to money. He's got access to inside deals. So by the age of 25, mm-hmm. he'd actually acquired several properties around the country which brought in a revenue over and above his income as a tax collector oh. that allowed him the freedom to go and travel and study abroad and to not have to worry about work. So a bit like a famous podcaster. <laughs> He can, you know what, if he doesn't like the, I, the, the, the job, get up and leave. You, go, yeah. you know what? My jet's go right fuck over there. Yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need this shit. I don't I- need you. I don't need this shit. <laughs> I can <laughs> pack my bags, right. show me the
0: money, yeah, uh, and just walk out.
1: Bitch. I got my
0: own, yeah, I got my own camel. Yeah. I got my own jet. I will get on said camel to said jet and fly away. Fuck you. Yeah, and he does. Which,
1: as we'll see, he he does at various <laughs> stages of his life. Yeah. A bit like Tiberius. Um, he just says, packs, he takes his bat and his ball and says, you know what, right. fuck all y'all. I'm out of this job."
0: I wanted to ask you about that because what we're going to see is that he's passionate, he's dedicated. You know what? He's a patriot. He's an Iranian patriot. That's exactly what he is. But I think – one book came across a little bit like if he didn't get his way, he would grab his bat and ball and go home. Like he was a little petulant. I don't know. I wanted to get your take on that. Is he just passionate? Is he just someone who, I mean, let's face it, he was born something like a prince. Is he just not good at not getting everything he wants? I'm just I'm just trying to figure out his emotional outbursts. Is that, is that something that's just, be, It's is it wrapped up in his passion or is he... And you have to remember, he's still kind of young. Is it just a lack of maturity because he's, you know, he's still wet, kind of wet behind the ears? I don't. Know, what was your impression of all that running away when he got upset?
1: Well, you know, I think he—he's one of these guys who says, "If you don't, if you don't respect me, then fuck off. Right. I want to be treated." Uh, As a man of intelligence, I want to be respected. And he was sincere. If I'm not wanted
0: here? Yeah, he was sincere. Yeah,
1: yeah. I like just fuck all y'all. I'll <laughs> take my talent somewhere else. I don't, I don't need this shit. Yeah, I'm good. I'm like
0: I, mean, I said, look, camel jet. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I I I I I I. I, <laughs> what, I He's having a stroke. I don't <laughs> want to compare myself to the greatest people of all time, but if I had to, if I.
0: If you make me, if you put a gun to my head.
1: Look, my career, back when I had a job. Right. Um, you know, my career was littered with me having fights with bosses and managers because right. I just uh, could not swallow the bullshit. Ah, uh, you right. know, I, uh, I was – I don't know what it is and it's probably a flaw. Honestly, it's probably a personality flaw comes I think from having an, a you know an abusive father, you grow up with an abusive alcoholic father. Yeah. Very early on you you develop this fight or flight response where if if somebody is I don't know, not threatened, I never felt threatened in, in the workplace, yeah. but somebody's just talking bullshit, my personality for whatever reason was always mm-hmm. rather than to Nod and smile and say, Yes, boss. Good thinking, boss. To play the smart political move, right? To just shut up, uh, agree with whatever your nod. boss says. Yeah. Which, you know, I know people who do that and they're way more successful in the workplace than I ever was, partly because yeah. they knew how to play the political game. And my yes. ex wife is one of those. Right. I could never do that. Never. Right. I just can't swallow. I just can't. Yeah. I can't live with myself if i don't go whoa 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 whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Yeah. what yeah what what did you, you just say because that's are you are trying, you trying to fertilize insane? it
0: because that was bullshit so yeah no <clears throat> and, and i think and, that, i think that's him to a degree yeah sorry go ahead
1: yeah yeah he just can't stomach the bullshit i think yeah. and he needs to call it when he sees it and that's just not yeah.
0: you know a smart career move but, but it's a- But he does care. I mean, it's literally the life and death of his country. This is not something he probably thinks that he can afford to lose on. He's got a goal. He's got a dream. And he wants his people to, the other Iranians, to care just as much as he does.
1: And he's passionate about this from a very young age. He was a kid during the Tobacco Revolt. He had relatives that were deeply involved in the Constitutional Revolution. Right. He was so keen on politics that... During the first elections of the Majlis in 1906, mm-hmm. he actually ran for a seat in Isfahan. He right. would have been in; he would have been 24 at the time. He was born in 1882, mm-hmm. too young uh, to take a seat in the parliament at yeah. the time. Yeah. But he didn't care. He I ran care. for it anyway. Yeah. He was a player. He wanted to be yeah. a player, I'm in. even if he couldn't actually get the gig. He, you know, he was one of these guys that wanted to be involved in politics even again coming out of a the royal family essentially his mother's a princess he wants to be involved in the modernization of Iran and he wanted a democracy for Iran yeah but he was intense and uh, you know one of these guys who would fight tooth and nail for his beliefs but if he felt like he wasn't being listened to he wasn't respected he would just go, you know what, fuck all y'all, and he would leave. And so the first time he did that was in 1909. Mm-hmm. So he's, uh, what, 27. He left Iran, went right. to Paris sure. to study at Le des de
0: Sciences Politiques. Nice for him, uh, yeah.
1: Like, you know what, fuck all y'all, right. I'm
0: going to Paris <laughs> to study. Because I can't. Cause I got a jet bitch. No, but yeah, he goes there that they can, cons- or Iran, I guess a lot of Europe considered uh, Paris, the intellectual center of the world. We all know it's Kansas, but anyway, um, where they keep the foreskin of Jesus, that's not the point. So, so he goes there and he's going to study. I've got the time. I've got the money. There's hell breaking loose in my country. I'm out bitches. And he goes to France.
1: And another interesting thing about this, uh, you know, when you think about Ho Chi Minh, Right. Who spent a lot of his life in exile from his yes. own country? Yes, looking at it from afar, thinking about it from afar, mm-hmm. living, working, studying in foreign countries, uh, thinking about what. And he, you know, I think, he spent a lot of time in France as well. I know he's in Russia for a lot of his life, but right. I think he, he was, was definitely in Paris, in yes, France, yeah, because obviously the French. Um, had a big involvement in French Indochina, mm-hmm. and but also he was a he was a rebel, right. was sort of not not very well liked by the French, yeah. obviously because he was trying to kick them the fuck out of his country <laughs> before he had mm-hmm. to kick the Japanese out and then the Americans out. Oh, get out. He uh, uh, same thing here with Mozadec Eminem. He's studying, living in Paris, and he's thinking about his plans for his own country. Now, also while he's in France, he develops a host of mystery illnesses. He has yes. This cocktail of ulcers, hemorrhaging, maybe mm. some psychosomatic stuff. Right. Maybe the stress that he's feeling for his career, for his country, whatever it is. Yes. And they become part of his larger than life persona that he has for the rest of his life. He, and, and he's also famously very, Emotive when he yes. gives speeches Pure drama He would cry, <laughs> he would faint yes. When he was giving a speech oh. And in the West he got mocked for this But in Iran It actually made him a rock star Because the, yeah. the Iranians loved That kind of passion That kind was. of drama Yeah, yeah it was yeah. very, very Middle Eastern, I guess They, they loved that kind TVs. of thing Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but, but he's, but he literally, he wears his heart on his sleeve that never changes. Yeah. And other, you know, because if you go to London, and you're publicly emotional, hell, even today, they simply don't do that, you know, and, and so but certainly back then, it was going to be considered a weakness by his political enemies. But you're right, he's absolutely he's celebrated for it in iran this is not something that holds it back now the health stuff that that's some serious shit and like you said i don't think they ever nailed it down but he's got to factor that in as well so his health is affected by going to paris to the point that he is going to have to head back home after about a year um because he's he's got to be some place and he's got to rest and he's got to recuperate from whatever ailment is giving him a hard time
1: so he goes back to Iran and then after World War I breaks out and the British take control of Iran again, right. Muhammad Ali Shah gets the boot. Eminem goes to Switzerland this time <laughs> where he gets his law doctorate in 1914,
0: the first yeah. Iranian no ever
1: to get yeah. a law doctorate in Europe. Right. He even considered becoming Swiss for a while and just leaving Iran altogether. But the country keeps pulling him back. So after World War One breaks out, the country is a hot mess of political turmoil, yes. foreign intervention. Mossadegh goes back to Tehran and starts teaching law in Tehran.
0: Yeah. He wrote
1: a book, Iran and the Capitulation Agreements, where he argues for a legal system an even-handed legal system in Iran something yeah. you know like Napoleon's legal system that they had in France right something that wouldn't bend over backward for foreigners he's still a relatively young man here but he is preaching for better standards of law inside of his country that is going to be a better deal for his people absolutely and keeps the foreigners on a yeah. very tight
0: leash here's an idea the law applies to everybody the same shock gasp because that's not the point of power the point of power is that you don't get told what to do you don't have to be limited in your actions and your words because you have the power whether it's military or financial to hurt someone who tries to hurt you and he's going no all are equal before the law. That's a hell of an idea. And when he does come home, his uncle, Farm and Pharma, uh, becomes prime minister. And he says, you know what? I want you, Eminem, to be the minister of finance. And you have to respect this. Most of that goes, you know what? I, there's a part of me that would love to do this because I want to get involved in government. But if I take this job, because you ask me, people are going to think they're not going to take me seriously. I got it because of family connections, whatever. I, I, I thank you, but I cannot accept this position. I think most of us would have jumped on the bandwagon and, and, and taken the cushy job, but that is not who Mossadegh is.
1: Am I right? So... <laughs> so... <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> he... <laughs> yeah he he turns it down but then in 1917 his appendix goes rogue he has to get it pulled and while he's recovering they toss another job at him deputy finance minister yeah. by this time farmer farmer is out of out of the job farmer farmer's career was kind of messy he was accused of conspiracy to overthrow the Shah at one point. He goes into exile. He comes back. All over the place. Yeah. 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 But uh, this time Mossadegh didn't feel like it was family connections that were getting at the job. It wasn't going to look bad on the resume. Yeah. So he takes the job as deputy finance minister. And his mum kind of pushed him into it as well. You need But he didn't exactly win friends at the new job. He gets straight into it. He starts digging (laughs) up all sorts of corrupt crap. Fuck.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And he wanted heads to roll. Yes, and he's really—he's uh, on a mission from God to <laughs> clean up.
0: And these aren't Iranian; the, these aren't British heads. He wants to roll. He wants these are Iranian. I'm sorry, Cam, but these are Iranian heads. He's like they're guilty. I don't give a fuck who they are, where their family is from. They broke the law. They need to be done. Believe it or not, he doesn't stay in the job too long.
1: Yeah, the elite get rid of him. So he goes back to Switzerland. Yeah, classic Mossadegh move. He'd rather right. go down in flames for something he
0: Dandy. believed
1: in than make dodgy deals. So he's yes. like, "Fuck all you all again." <laughs> leaves the country. He's the kind of guy who walks away from the table if he doesn't like the game. He's in it yeah. for the long haul. Yeah, but he's only going to play if he can play his way. No half measures. No compromises. Pure, unfiltered idealism. Like you've really yes. got a respect this guy he's he's willing to just burn all of his bridges for his vision of an iran that you know has self-determination and isn't corrupt etc etc
0: well not only is he mad at the people the iranians who broke the law he's mad at the other iranians who will not stand up with him beside him to punish this people so he's just blanket pissed at everybody and like you said heads back to switzerland
1: and he's in Switzerland in 1919 when he reads about the famous Anglo-Persian agreement that we yeah. talked about in a previous episode, basically yeah. reduced Iran to the status of a British protectorate. Mm-hmm. This is after the Russians pulled out, so the, the the communists take power, and the Bolsheviks, that is, take power in 1917, 1918. They pull out of Iran and the British swoop in and just take the whole thing over He's outraged, but all he could do from Switzerland was protest. According to one of his biographers, he talked and corresponded with other prominent Iranians in Europe, published leaflets, and wrote to the League of Nations protesting against the agreement. He even travelled to Bern for the sole purpose of having a rubber stamp made for the Comité de Résistance des Nations, in whose name the anti-agreement statements were issued. Anger, frustration, and loneliness must have taken their toll on his nerves, for it is unlikely that, as he suspected, he was being watched by British agents, one of them in the shape of the chic, pretty, and bouncy woman next door who called from her balcony, est-ce que vous voulez fumer ce soir? (laughs) Uh, Like, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, do you want to a- smoke tonight, yeah. she called Ooh. out to him. And he replied to her, pardon, madame, je suis malade, je suis très occupé, je suis fatigué, excusez-moi, je ne paie les trompes. Yeah. Sorry, ma'am, I'm sick, I'm very busy, I am tired. tired, excuse me, I don't have the time. I do not. He, he thought she was a spy. Yeah.
0: She um, just wanted sexy to see dark spy, me a, a
1: honey trap.
0: <laughs> right, so, sorry, was that wrong? Sorry. Yeah. No, he has an active imagination, but he's very upset. And so, you know what? If you don't want me, I, Iran, fuck you. I'll stay here. I'll become a citizen here. I'll practice law. I'll have a great job. I'll have a great life. Fuck all y'all. That's what he's going to do. He's going to stay in Switzerland.
1: And he was kind of gutted when his country <laughs> didn't go ballistic over the Anglo-Persian yes. agreement. Yes. He thought they'd rise up, pitchforks and torches, but yeah. they didn't uh and he was so done with Iran at this point <clears throat> that he nearly pieced out and became a Swiss citizen and would just practice law there yeah but had some immigration hurdles and the that didn't work out so then he thought about starting an import export business uh he was gonna call it
0: <coughs> <laughs> right the First of all, uh, Stan and Barry were brought in. They're like, uh, "There's only one name. There's only one name, Van Delay Industries." That's not the problem. The problem is, if you take that name, you have to hire Kramer to answer your phones. And I got to tell you right now, that's not going to end well for anybody. It's a package deal, though. But that—that that was the—that's what they told me.
1: <laughs> Yellow. What delay industries? No. <laughs> Way, way off. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the right number, yeah. but this is an apartment. What? I'm. Uh, I'm here to see Mr. Art Vandeleur. What does he do? He's an importer. <laughs> Just imports, no
0: exports. He's an importer exporter. Okay, importer exporter. exporter. That's right. But even that, like for George, doesn't really work out because he gets a bigger and better deal.
1: Yeah. The. Locals in the province of Fars beg him to be their governor. Mm-hmm. They offer to pay him a shit ton of money, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Fine, I'll do the job." This is like you, you said to me when we right. started working together all those right. years ago. Look, yeah. I'll do the job, but I don't want your money. I don't. I don't. I don't need any money for this. No. I'm doing it for love. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing it because I want to do it. I don't need your money. Please, keep no. Put your hand. I'm going to tear take it. Take your hand out of your I, pocket. I just. Keep your money. I don't want you. Right. I don't no. need it.
0: I don't I, want it. I'm here for the love of history. That's like why. When I'm... your
1: wife tried to pay for your health insurance, you were like, right. no, no,
0: no. I don't, I don't no. want your, you, money. I don't you need your it. money. You keep you it. You keep if, it. If if I, I die, it. it will be, have yeah. been worth it. So, yeah. And don't, and don't, no funeral. Just cremate me. Just take me out in the yard, pour some gas on me, light me up you know, a coffee can, yeah. I don't know, and just join put me you, in a place of body water. in the
1: river. <laughs> no. Let the animals eat me.
0: As i to whatsoever. As I've told you often, Heather, eat me. Just let eat the me. animals eat me. Anyway, where were we?
1: <laughs> so Reza is in power at this point. He tries to put Mozadek's skills to work, but yes. these two guys don't get along very well.
0: Oil and uh, water.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> Harrison Riley. Right. Mossadegh <laughs> is too honest. Like Reza's, we've talked about, like Reza was a smart guy with a lot of skills, politically astute. Yeah. But uh, Mossadegh was way, way sterner, uh, way more interested in. Yeah, a democracy than Reza obviously is because he makes himself the Shah. Damn right. Reza does deals with the British because the British put him into power. Mozadek's like, fuck all of that shit. (laughs) He pisses off Reza and his crew. So he walks away from the administration and gets himself elected to the Majlis. Damn right. By 1924- Ninety-two to twelve. He's like early forties. Mm-hmm. He's all in on politics. Yes. He's got a deep read on Iran and the future and its issues. Most of their problems he blames on foreign vultures. But yes. he's a lone wolf. He's pissing people off, even in his own social class, because he wouldn't bend the rules for them. Right. He's he's really a straight arrow this guy yeah he is intensely passionate about rule of law self rule getting mm-hmm. rid of the foreign vultures and the fact that he he was right he's one of these guys <laughs> yes. who believes yes. in himself and like fuck anyone <laughs> who isn't on board
0: What what I liked about him was when he walks away from the government, and he he actually walks away from several positions in the government, he walks away, so he runs for the modulus, he's elected, and so now he's beholden to no one. Fantastic. No one can cut me at the knees. This is great. However, like you just said, he is constantly pissing off everybody around him if they don't meet his very exacting standards. He is the straight line that never wavers. And that just pisses everybody off, and so even then, he's having a hard time. But for some, for you know, for the average whatever that might know his name, they're inspired by him. But it takes fellow politicians, as McCarthy, uh, Kevin McCarthy will tell you, it takes fellow politicians to cover your back. And he doesn't have that many allies because he will not play the game.
1: And he he not only will not play the game. Anyone who criticizes him, he will oh, straight up yes. call them scammers and yes. idiots.
0: Yeah. In Fuck. public into their yes. face,
1: yeah. He's Fuck like, you. Yeah, <laughs> and you gotta. If you've never seen a photo of this guy, you gotta see it. He looks like he actually looks like a, D- a Disney animated villain <laughs> from, I don't know, Aladdin or something, right? Prince Jafar or one of these guys, right? He's he's got these. Large, dark, deep-set eyes, a big sort of hook nose. Mm-hmm. He was tall and skinny, hunched over, long yeah. face. Very, you know, interesting-looking dude, and and got criticised or made fun of a lot right. for how he, he was mocked a lot for yeah. how he looked, particularly later on as he becomes more prominent and powerful in Western media, they love drawing cartoons of him and Mm -hmm. mocking him because he looks like a a vulture or something like that.
0: Yeah. A very
1: arresting guy to look at, to listen to in, in, in your presence, he would make you feel inferior Mm -hmm. just because of his intelligence, his ethics, his morals, his manner of speech, the whole, Oh, yeah. The whole kit- Full package. But he's this huge human paradox. He's part patriot, part outcast. Yes. Always just a thorn in the side to everyone around him, even his, you know, politicians, family, the British, right. everyone hates this guy except the people who yeah. keep electing him and offering yeah. him jobs They to love come him. And run this and run that. Yeah. They they do. They love him because they believe in him. They He either pisses people off or he inspires them.
0: <laughs> well, he's like a badger with a hangover. I mean, he's a pain in the ass. You know what you do with people like that? You point them at the British. You point them at the foreigners. Yeah, he's you, you don't want to hang out with a guy, but if there's anybody that's going to stand up, if there's any Iranian that's going to stand up to the British, it's going to be this guy. And so the people love him.
1: There's this one a biography on him that I was reading that described his first appearance in the Marge Lees. Right. This way. With his droopy basset hound eyes and high patrician forehead. That's what I got. Mossadegh did not look like a man to shake a nation. To his mm-hmm. mind, the parliament was the only mouthpiece of the people of Iran. No matter how rigged the election or how corrupt its members, it was the only body that did not depend for its power either on outside influence or on the court, but on the authority of the constitution. The Majlis became his soapbox. Elected to it time and again by the people of Tehran, he used it to denounce the misconduct of the British and the Russians and later the Americans. When he said the Iranian himself is the best person to manage his house, he was stating not only a conviction but a policy that he was to pursue with unwavering purpose until his picture had appeared on the cover of Time magazine and he had thoroughly shaken the foundations of the world's oil establishment. Damn. Although Mossadegh championed Iranian self-determination, he had little faith in his fellow deputies and few escaped the lash of his tongue. He accused them of cowardice, of lacking initiative, and worst of all, being unpatriotic. His fulminations at the podium were both frightening and theatrical. Gesturing wildly, his hand unconsciously wiping away the famous tears that sprung unbidden from his eyes at times of nervousness or rage, he pilloried his listeners with the righteousness of a priest who suffers with his victims even as he unmasks them. Distinguished, highly emotional, and every inch the aristocrat, he believed so totally in his own country that his words reached out and touched the common man. Mossadegh was Iran's first genuinely popular leader, and he knew it.
0: Nice. Well, that pretty much encapsulates uh, everything we said. Now, here's the thing. So you got this guy. He's, a pa- he's passionate. He's a patriot. He's very emotional. He's got the support of the people, maybe not of the government. And if Iran's problems were just domestic. He could probably use that love, support of the people and ignore the politicians because he's going to be backed nine times out of 10 out of the people. But as we've been covering in these last couple of episodes, Iran's biggest problem is not domestic. It's external. It's internal. It's an international. It's the British. It's the uh, Anglo-Iranian oil company that he has to take on somehow without his own government helping him. But again, even though it seems impossible, this guy is all about the long game, the long odds. It doesn't matter. This is his life's work, and he's not going to give up or stop anytime soon.
1: And even though most Iranians seem to have resigned themselves to foreign influence, well, that's Mm. just the way it's always been, Yeah, and it's the way it always will be, Yeah, he is was never willing to give in and he was going to fight against foreign powers to the very end, which in fact is what he did. Like Ho Chi Minh, like Fidel Castro, like Che Guevara, he gave his life to his cause and we will continue that story in the next episode.
0: Britain has descended across the continent. Of the Soviet
1: military buildup on the island of Cuba, the purpose of these bases can be none other than to
0: provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere.